Welcome to Historical Fiction Unpacked. I'm your host, Allison Treat. Hello, readers. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Um, a few points before we get to our guest. I want to make sure that you know that it is super helpful if you subscribe to the show, subscribe to Historical Fiction Unpacked on whatever podcast app you like to use. Um, And then also, if you're enjoying the show, please make sure you rate and review it. The more ratings and reviews a show gets, the more the app suggests that show to people who might like it. So if you rate and review my show, then more people, more lovers of historical fiction will be able to find it and enjoy it as well. If you're on Facebook, you can also join the podcast group on Facebook. It's called Historical Fiction Unpacked Podcast Group. Just search for that or you can get there from the show notes. Also, if you're on Instagram, you can follow the account I have on there for Historical Fiction Unpacked. And if you're interested in helping out the show beyond just following and subscribing and rating and reviewing, you can check out the different benefits at my Patreon account, which can be found at patreon.com slash alisontreat, A-L-I-S-O-N-T-R-E-A-T. But that's enough about housekeeping, at least for now. I want to tell you about my guest today. It's Misty M. Beller. She is a USA Today bestselling author of Christian historical romance set in the Rocky Mountain frontier. So I found it super interesting to talk to her about her love of the Rocky Mountains and why she writes about them and sets her books in that setting. And I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation with Misty. It was recorded quite some time ago, um, back in September, I believe. So that might be obvious in the interview, but you know, I had a number of things that just pushed it off. But here we are finally releasing this conversation with Misty M. Beller. Misty, I'm so glad you could join me on the show today. Thank you. It's exciting to be here. Your latest novel, A Warrior's Heart, released on August 31st. It has such an interesting premise. Can you tell me about this book? Yes, this one was so much fun to brainstorm and to write. Um, The setting is in the Canadian Rockies, which is um, a place I love to write about. The Rockies in general, but especially the Canadian Rockies. Um, But Mm -hmm. what makes this one special is it's a hidden village that's living in caves and they've been hidden away from the rest of society for about a hundred years. Um, and they like it that way. They don't like outsiders to come in. Um, Mm -hmm. so that was, that was really neat to brainstorm and to write. Um, and the heroine in the book is, um, she's kind of worked her way up to position of protector and, um, provider for, the village, or she's over the group that does that. So she's over the guards and the hunters. Um, so Aww. she's very much kind of a lady warrior um, personality. Um, and then the hero is um, an American spy. This is set back during the War of 1812. Um, and he's been sent north um, on a mission to find this mineral that the scientists for the U.S. government um, think will help create this big blast, basically the small version of an atomic bomb um, mm-hmm. that they're hoping can help them win the war against Britain. Um, so he's gone up to find this mineral and he doesn't realize he's found this secret village until he stumbles upon the entrance and is shot by the heroine. 
Um, and that's kind of how the book opens. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I've, I very much like to write mountain men heroes and kind of stronger female heroines. Um, so these two definitely fit the bill for that. Right, right. That's cool. I'm curious what inspired this book. Like, did you hear about a village like this? Or is there really a village like this where they live in caves and hide away? Or is that a figment of your imagination? Um, a little bit of both. So I was actually listening to a historical podcast, um, not historical fiction, but just podcasts that kind of uncover little known nuggets of history. Um, and this right. particular one was about the Vikings when they first came over to um, what became Newfoundland and the mm -hmm. eastern part of Canada. Um, and how there were a number of settlements that lasted a lot longer than we think they did. Um, and they were kind of, they went further west and they were kind of hidden away from um, most of where we think the Vikings landed there. Um, and so then I got to thinking, gee, wouldn't it be really neat if there was a group of Vikings that went even farther west, all the way to the Rockies, and they really were hidden and they lasted for hundreds of years. <laughs> and so that's kind of where the seed of the idea came. Um, and we mm. eventually changed it to be a French village, not a Viking village. Um, and instead of being hidden for a thousand years, um, they've just been hidden away for a hundred years. So it's a little more um, realistic, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, smaller scale. Yeah, exactly. So a combination of real historical possibility, but my imagination definitely took it a, a lot farther. <laughs> Yeah. The mountains up there have so many caves. Um, so in this village, I have the their forefathers, when they discovered it, they discovered this cave with this big open room. And then they just kind of spread out and built smaller rooms from there. Um, mm -hmm. And there's so many caves in the Canadian Rockies. I could definitely imagine um, there being that kind of cave to start with and then, then just build into the stone from there. Yeah. So interesting. So is that your inspiration came from listening to that historical podcast? Or was there something else that put the um, the idea in your mind for like the characters and the story? Yeah, that really was the seed of the idea. In that same podcast, they were talking about um, some of the Viking um, shield maidens is what they were called. Okay. So women who um, were warriors, and they kind of rose in importance to the level of um, some of the male leaders of the Viking clans at the time. So that same podcast did kind of spark the seed of the idea for Brielle, which is our heroine. Um, she's mm. not a shield maiden exactly, but she's worked hard um, to start it as one of the hunters. So she um, really excelled with her bow and arrow. They didn't have guns um, in that particular village. Um, but she's really honed her abilities and worked hard to rise in the ranks. And in the book, her position is le commandant. So the mm -hmm. leader of the guards and hunters. So, Okay. Wow. Um, so what do you want readers to take away from this novel? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I've kind of talked about the premise and, but not really so much the overall storyline. Right. And the characters themselves, the storyline, of course, Brielle um, captures Evan, who's the hero, um, and they hold him um, in a 
little storage room that they have that's separate and they can lock it up. Um, and Brielle is one of the guards that guards him and they really get to know each other. Um, but I think what I love as I was writing the book was really getting to know these characters and realizing that even though they're, you know, tough on the outside, um, they're normal people just like us. Um, Brielle works so hard to keep this facade and this mask of, you know, she's very um, good at what she does and she doesn't let her emotions get in the way. Um, but yet mm. behind that, she really is uncertain and second guessing herself. And um, it, should she allow her instincts to rule as she begins to realize that Evan really means them no harm um, or, you know, what if she does the wrong thing and it um, hurts her people? Um, they had a, some Englishmen came into the village about a dozen years before, and um, it was kind of a massacre that killed six of their people, including Brielle's mother. So mm. she's, you know, just second guessing herself through a lot of it. And I can really relate to that. Mm, um, you yeah. know, even if we don't try to put a mask on, it's so easy to do that and just make things look like, you know, we have it together but mm -hmm. we really don't have it together inside. Um, right. So I loved, I loved that about Brielle. Um, and one of the things I loved about Evan, um, he's, you know, he's had the job as a spy for the U S army, um, but spying involves so much lying. And um, as he kind of starts through this journey at the beginning of the book, he's really struggling with, <laughs> with what God's word says to do um, and what he feels mm. um, in his heart is the right thing. But yet um, he's being asked by his government to do something very different. Um, and so his spiritual journey just really struck me throughout and it went places I didn't expect it to go. Um, there's one point kind of maybe two thirds of the way into the book where Brielle is out in a storm um, and her life is very much in danger. And Evan is still being held in this locked room. Um, and he's desperately wants to go out and help her, but he can't. And he realizes that what God is saying to him is um, his position, his way of, of helping um, Brielle come back is prayer. And so he spends the night just in intercessory prayer um, for Brielle. And so many times his hands are tied, um, either literally or not. Um, and what his position is, what God has given him to do in those situations is intercede on her behalf. So, mm. so I really love Evan's spiritual journey throughout. I can really, mm -hmm. um, I guess a lot of it was things God was working with me on at the time. So, Yeah, that tends to find its way into our writing, doesn't it? Yes. So I, you mentioned that you love the Rocky Mountains, and I think all of your books are set in the Rocky Mountains. Is that right? Almost all of them. My very first Almost. trilogy that I wrote was set in Texas, but um, after that, I, I just I knew how much I love the mountains, but I discovered how much I love riding in the mountains. So okay. Um, so, but you right now you don't live near the Rocky Mountains. Have you lived there? Is that why it holds a special place in your heart or is there some other reason? Um, that's a great question. Um, so I have never lived outside of South Carolina. 
which okay. we're a couple hours away from the Appalachian Mountains. Um, and we love to yeah. travel there. We go there as often as we can. But the Rockies are really my favorite. We have family who lives in California. And mm-hmm. when I was growing up, we would always drive across the country about every other year to go visit them. And we'd usually take a different route each time or not every time, but, you know, sometimes we take the Southern route and sometimes we go I-40 through the kind of the middle of the U S and sometimes we would take the Northern routes and go through um, Wyoming and Colorado and sometimes even up into Montana. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I really fell in love with the Rockies. It is just so beautiful out there. And the mountains are so majestic. And if you get kind of up there in Glacier National Park in that area, um, it's like it reminds you how small you are and how vast God's creation is. And it's just, it's hard to put into words. It really is. I think that's a challenge for me in every book I write to really adequately describe the feeling that standing there in the middle of those mountains. mountain ranges gives to you. Mm -hmm. Um, But it definitely reminds me, not only uh, I'm not, (laughs) I'm this small little thing among such a vast creation, but yet God still knows everything about me and cares about everything that happens and has a plan for everything. And it's just kind of Mm -hmm. mind boggling, I guess. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's one of the things I love about writing stories in the Rocky Mountains. And it seems like the farther north you go, like up into Canada, the mountains mm-hmm. kind of spread out even more. And it's just, it's just even more majestic up there. Um, wow. Plus the mountains give a great, <laughs> there are a lot of um, potential dangerous elements in the mountains and a lot of things that can happen there um, naturally that um, tend to work themselves into my storylines. Yeah, for sure. And I've never been to the Canadian Rockies, but um, a few years ago, well, I've been to the, the Rockies in the U.S. several times, but the most recent was a couple of years ago when we did go to Glacier National Park. Um, yeah. It's just incredible. Just so beautiful. You can't even describe it. So true. Yeah. So I'm curious then, what is your research and writing process like? Uh, do you always get your ideas from historical podcasts or um, what is, where, where does it, when it starts the idea, then where do you go with it? Yeah. Um, so this is probably the first book that the ideas come from, from a historical podcast. Um, <laughs> but I do really uh, love to listen to them because um, sometimes they'll just, you know, help a story along. that's already working its way through in my mind. Um, yeah. I do oftentimes get story ideas from um, from books I've read. I love to read like the journals of Lewis and Clark and firsthand accounts of people who um, lived in the Rockies and either trapped in that region or spent time with the natives there. Or um, there's, there's several really neat um, firsthand accounts that were published way back in the 1800s usually and then have mm. survived and are still – what I would consider popular today, um, maybe only yeah. popular with me, but <laughs> anyway, with um, historically minded people, I guess, <laughs> with nerdy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm including myself in that. You know, so it's not meant as a yeah. derogatory term, but 
Yeah, no, I am definitely a historical nerd. Um, but anyway, so I love reading these firsthand accounts and it's so shocking to me. Um, some of the things that happen and some of the things that were just normal to them. And mm-hmm. so it de- those journals almost always spark um, either whole book ideas or um, they definitely help me um, make my books much more authentic. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes even the stretch of believable, I have to tone down some of the stories um, as I kind of recreate them in my books. Um, yeah. in different, different settings. But anyway, like they say, um, truth is often much stranger than fiction. I was going to say that too. <laughs> like, it's okay to read it for real, but you, nobody would believe it if you put it in a book, like, in yeah. a novel. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's oftentimes, I, I love to write in series. So usually the seed of a story, a, a big story idea, um, mm-hmm is the start of a series. Um, and then I kind of let the characters develop their own stories with each book in the series. Right. Um, so this is the first installment in a series and, and what are your plans? Are you working on the next book? What are your plans for the rest of the series? Can you tell us anything about that? Yes. I'm so excited about the other books in the series. Um, so at this point it will be a three book series, um, the series name is Brides of Laurent. So Laurent mm-hmm. is the name of the little village that's hidden in the, the mountain caves. Um, book two is is already written. It's in the editing process. And it should release next May, I believe, May of 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called The Healer's Promise. And um, for those who get to read book one, um, book two is going to be Audrey's story, which Audrey is um, the good friend, um, almost like a sister to Brielle. Very opposite personality. Audrey's calm and she's not a warrior at all. She's the village healer. Um, mm. But um, a healer's promise, I kind of get them away from Laurent for much of the story. It's kind of a little more adventurous, I guess, maybe just with the, the plot line um, than um, yeah. Is. And then book three, I'm actually writing right now. I'm in maybe the last 20,000 words of it right now. Um, mm. And it's going to follow Brielle's younger sister. So there's a little bit of a gap of time between books two and three. Um, but it's, it's really fun. I am yeah. really enjoying writing this book. Um, cool. With each of the books in the series, they feature a woman from Laurent and then a man that comes from outside. Mm. Um, so book three, well, I don't want to give away too much. No, <laughs> I can just say that it's going to be a lot of fun to write. The hero um, comes from a very unexpected place. So mm-hmm. good. I'm glad you're enjoying it. That's it's, I can tell from how you talk about your books, how much um, you enjoy writing. Uh, but I'm thinking about like you have one book you're promoting, another one in the editing process, and a third one that you're currently drafting. And um, you're also a mom. You're expecting your fifth child in November. But I'm just wondering, like, how do you balance writing with motherhood and with the rest of the things in your life? Writing and promoting and <laughs> all the things that go with that. 
That's a really good question. One I probably don't have a very good answer to um, because it's just, <laughs> it, I work whatever I can into any little scrap of time. Um, and yeah. I will say that the, the kiddos and my husband um, are all very supportive of my writing. Um, so I, I found that my most creative time is in the afternoon. So I try very hard to safeguard that time for writing. Um, so I try not to schedule doctor's appointments or, um, you know, all the, just the life stuff during the afternoons. Right. Um, we actually homeschool too, or we have oh, okay. last, last year we started it just because of COVID. Um, but it's turned out to work really well for us. <clears throat> so we we're doing it again this year, um, which is, it's nice because it gives us a little more flexibility than if the kids were locked into school. Right. Um, and my my oldest is 14. My youngest is two. So each of the kids very much has their own set of jobs in the house. And um, the older ones are really good about helping with the younger ones. And I don't know, there's, there's a lot of chaos in our house um, just because of all the bodies and, you know, the dogs and the cats too. Um, but it's somehow it all gets done eventually. <laughs> Like I said, that's not a great answer, but it's it's just kind of the way life is for us right now. So, although it's a real answer, I mean, if you told me that you have a regimented schedule and you always stick to it, <laughs> then I'd be like, well, I can't do that. I would be lying. I don't know how many, <laughs> and I don't know how many of our listeners could relate either. So, yeah. but yeah, chaos. I can definitely relate to that. One day when the kids are all out on their own. Things will be calm and cool and collected, and I won't know what to do with myself. So I'm enjoying it while I, I have miss it. them. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's a good approach. Um, Misty, have you always loved to write? How did you get started? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I've always loved to read, even as far mm. back as I can remember. Um, I love to read. I was either riding horses or reading. And I can remember my mom telling me, put your book down and go outside already. <laughs> um, oh. But I definitely don't think I, I don't remember ever thinking that I could write a book um, mm. until I was in my twenties. Um, my two oldest um, were born and I was working um, working in Charlotte, which is kind of the big city nearest us. Um, but I just really felt, I don't know, I guess I felt like I was in a, this hamster wheel of, you know, just working full time and trying to be a good mom, but just didn't feel like I was making a difference um, mm -hmm. or really developing anything with me, I guess. Um, so I sat down and wrote out my bucket list. Bucket lists were kind of big at the time. Yeah. Um, just things I wanted to do um, just to, I don't know, just, I guess maybe for me time, but not really mm -hmm. me time, just to, to feel a little more fulfilled. Um, and one of the things on the list was to write a novel and um, actually get it published. So not just write it and leave it on the computer, but um, hopefully do something with it. And I thought that would be a one-time thing and, you know, something I'd have to work really hard at, of course, but you mark it off the list and it's done. Right. Um, and of everything on the list, that was the only thing that was free at the time. Everything else required a little bit of money. So I thought, okay, I'll start with this. Um, 
And when I sat down to write the story, I realized, wow, writing a novel is so much harder than I thought it would be. Where do you start? <laughs> Where, what is a good story? You know, I'd read hundreds, thousands, who knows how many mm-hmm. thousands of, of really good novels. I knew I wanted it to be historical because that was my favorite genre, Christian historical romance. Um, so I went to my li- local library and got some what turned out to be really great books, really classic books on plotting fiction. Um, so I got started with that story. And partway through, I realized, I love this. This is mm. kind of what I was looking for. And looking back, I see that you know God had planted that need inside me that really came to fruition at that time. Um, but so that first book um, actually became book one in my Texas Rancher trilogy. Um, the Rancher Takes a Cook is the name of it. But as I was uh. finishing that story... I had um, the idea for a story set in the Rocky Mountains, um, kind of a remote setting, log cabin, and through part of the storyline, they're snowed in that log cabin, and I got so excited about that book. Um, so I finished the first one and then immediately got started on that one, and that's kind of where I realized I loved writing stories mm-hmm. set in the Rocky Mountains and remote settings and mountain men and um, strong heroines and kind of the brand that I have today, I guess. But yeah, yeah, so that was back in, I think, 2013. And I've just been writing ever since then. So what did you do? Um, You knew you wanted to write a novel and get it published. So how did you take that next step to get it published? What was your path to publication? Um, Goodness. (laughs) That's a really long (laughs) Winding question. Um, so I, I had a lot of research to do. Um, I knew very little about the publishing industry, um, but mm-hmm. I, I tend to, when I have a project I'm working on, I kind of grab the bull by the horns. Um, so I really did a lot of research. Um, I sent um, what we call query letters to a number yeah. of agents and publishers um, with that that first book. Um, And I got some good feedback, um, kind of developed the book a lot. Um, And finally, there was a small publisher who um, showed interest in it. And we made some tweaks, and um, they eventually contracted that novel. Um, Prism Book Group was the name of the publisher. They've since um, sold to a larger publisher. But Mm. anyway, so that was a really great um, experience with them. I had a wonderful editor. Um, through all of my writing, I have been blessed with just fantastic editors. Um, but this one, <laughs> she taught me how much I didn't know and then how to overcome that. Um, she was so patient and we made several passes through that book to get, you know, deep point of view and really, um, help me learn the craft of writing fiction a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that book would definitely not have ever been published without um, working with her. Mm. Um, And it's been kind of a steady journey from them. That was the only book that I did with um, prison book group. Um, I have a number of others that were independently published and then um, a couple series now with Bethany house, which I love working with Bethany house. They're just kind of a dream come true. Um, 
Yeah, I hear, I keep hearing that about them. So, (laughs) yes. When I was a teenager, I realized that all of my favorite books were published by this one company called Bethany House. (laughs) That's um, what put them on my radar even back then. Um, And, Mm. and, you know, all of my favorite authors um, write, wrote, and still do write for Bethany House. So I never thought it was something that Mm -hmm. I could ever get to do, but. but it's been really a blessing. Just the people there are, are fantastic and really know their stuff and really stretch me as a writer um, mm-hmm. and really know what, what the house readers want in a book too. So um, right. it's just a pleasure. I'm so excited to have this new series with them. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, so Misty, this is a question I ask all my guests and since you especially love historical fiction, um, it'll be a good one for you. How do you think learning about history through story helps us approach life in the present? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, and really pertinent to today. Um, because history has, um, you know, there's been so much, um, uh, I can't even think of the right word for it today. Um, but we, we look back on history very differently today than, we did even when I was a kid. Um, mm-hmm. I, one of the things that I feel very passionately about um, when I, the deeper I dive into real history, not just what we think we know about what happened in the past, but what really happened, um, real life stories, is that mm-hmm. um, sometimes we stereotype whole groups of people as um, being good or bad or, um, you know, being this way or that way, (laughs) but really each person is such an individual. Um, and you know, it's the same way today. Each person is individual and the entire race or the entire village or entire group is not the same as one person's actions. Um, Mm -hmm. and even, you know, people, um, through our lives, we're not wholly bad or wholly good. We make good choices and bad choices and, um, you know, might start off in, in a really bad situation, making really bad choices, and then God changes our hearts and therefore our lives and our actions. Um, and I, I would love to see us today, and I'm pretty passionate about this in my writing, um, I would love to see us look at history the way it really was um, and see mm-hmm. people as individuals who were created and loved by God and used by him um, in both good and bad ways sometimes. Um, and that that's the same way today. You know, we walk down the street and we see people very different from us. There are still mm-hmm. individuals loved by God and they're not wholly good or wholly bad. They're, you know, they're, they're people. Yes people just like us who have things going on in their lives and um, we never know the full story and, you know, unless we walk a mile in their shoes, which unfortunately isn't possible. But I guess just right. I, in my writing, I hope people see, start to see things through God's eyes um, and, and um, love each individual person um, the way God does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. 
Well, Misty, this has been a great conversation. What is the best way for listeners to follow you? So my newsletter is one of my favorite ways to interact with listeners. Um, and listeners can go to my website, mistymbeller.com, um, and can actually get a free ebook um, when they sign up for my newsletter. And I usually send out a, um, a newsletter to readers about every three or four weeks just with a little um, inside scoop of what's going on with me and some news about the books and sometimes a book I recommend or a book I've been reading lately. Um, but I love hearing back from readers. It's real easy to just hit reply to that email that I send out. Um, mm. And I've met so many amazing people. Um, I love hearing reader stories too. So my newsletter is my favorite way to interact with readers. For me, it's just a little more personal than social media. Um, yeah. And <laughs> with um, the kiddos and the writing and everything, I'm not as active on social media as I wish I could be. So again, the newsletter is the best way, but I'm also available on Facebook. Um, so mm -hmm. readers can find my author page on Facebook, Misty M. Beller author. So. Okay. Thank you so much for being with us today, Misty. It was great. Thank you. It's been really fun talking with you. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Let me remind you to always check out the show notes. They can be found either in your podcast app or at alisontreat.com slash blog. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-T-R-E-A-T dot com slash B-L-O-G. You can find links to Misty's books there as well as her um, website and to my website and um, social media accounts. So make sure you check out the show notes always. And now I'm going to leave you with a quote. This one is from Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And he said, the battle line between good and evil runs through the heart of every man. So my friends, keep reading historical fiction, and I will talk to you again next week. <laughs>